Welcome to the Hope United Church Podcast. We are one church with two locations. For video live streams of our services and more information, please visit www.hopeunited.org.uk. As we get into the second part, as I was studying this, uh, you, you realise, or I realise as I was studying it, you know what, there's so much in this and there's so many parallels. Uh, even though Jesus is speaking to the Jewish uh, religious people, there's so many parallels that we can draw on for our own life here. And how this, the word of God is ageless, timeless. Uh, it fits into anything that's going on in our life at any point. And this is the great thing about expository communicating. You get exactly what you need about where you're at at the time and it's always there and it's all God's timing's always perfect rather than coming to church and trying to pick out some. No, and it it's not always wrong to do that. We do that in my thinking church, but I'd urge you again to listen to this week. This week's a classic. Yeah. This week is, this week, by my own admission, self-praise is no praise, is really helpful. <laughs> it's, it really is helpful and I'm talking about havoc. And how different voices start coming into your life through havoc and through change. It's, it's great. If you're not getting into your life, I don't know what you're doing, you know. I mean, seriously. So this is where we're at. So Jesus is then confronted by them. But he never talks about the Sabbath. You know, Jesus is phenomenal at this. He's, not, he's phenomenal. You see it throughout Scripture and throughout the Gospels. I've seen this way with other great leaders they never allow people's agenda to direct the conversation. That's a good bit of advice for you if you're ever up against somebody who's difficult, somebody who's argumentative, somebody who's always wanting to have a disagreement or a debate. The, the more, and this, this is classic for this, Jesus never allows what is going on in somebody else's agenda to start directing the conversation. Have you ever been in a conversation, I'm rhetorical, I'm not asking for feedback here, but just, just to identify with this, have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and you walk away and you go, I wish I said that. Yeah. I wish I said And what happens is, is that so often you're maybe in a debate with somebody or a conversation with somebody or a disagreement with somebody. And what happens is the questions they ask you, you get hijacked with them. Yeah, you know, you have, and he's a brilliant debater in retrospect. And he's a, a, a brilliant debater in hindsight. We're all brilliant debaters in hindsight. And hindsight's a great thing. But hindsight's a great thing. It's, only, it's a great thing if you learn from it and then use it for the next thing. Otherwise, it's totally irrelevant. You know, and Jesus here is, this is another master class by the master again. And how he debate without getting caught up in other people's agenda. You know, and I've had conversations with people over the years and, and slowly but surely, it's still a long way to go, get better at debating and get better at having conversations and get better at kind of always leading people down a road that they can, you know, in order sometimes to to debate the scriptures and the gospel, 
And sometimes you're going to have to debate. Some people will be better at it than others. We get that. Some people will be thinking, that's not really my gift, but we can all get better at it. And it's, and it's knowing the big picture before you get into the conversation. It's, it's knowing the answer. The brilliant thing is Jesus knows the answer of everything before he gets into the debate. So he knows exactly where to lead people in the conversation. No, the great apologists, the great apologetics. People like, I don't know if you ever read, listen to guys like Ravi Zachariah. He, he, he's, he's, he's brilliant at debating. There's other guys out there that's great at it. And they debate amongst people. So it's not just, it's, the longer we're on a journey with God, and especially in this type of church, the more, the more you'll end up encountering not just sick, hurting and broken people, okay? No, just people are just desperate for anything. You're going to, you're going to bump into people and you maybe already do or will bump into people and have conversations with people who are smart about what they don't believe about the gospel. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? They're just a, they're a different type of people. They've got great arguments. I'll go and get my hair cut uh, every few weeks and I'll go and get my hair cut and yesterday was, yesterday was, I was only one in and the two of them were going for it with me. You know what I mean? And we had this amazing debate. I had this amazing debate with two Muslims. You know, the last time I had a debate with them, you know, and we're, we're I got a free haircut now. I mean, don't fling away your brains, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, look at It's true. It's true. So, so that when I met, when I met my two Muslim, eh, uh, Guys, I've got to see friends. They're no friends. Right, I met the two guys and now there are two of them. It's just started one of them. Now it's, it's a meeting. It's a, I'll tell you when I've got my hair cut next. Come, it's brilliant. It's a meeting. And I'm sitting in the chair and you know what I'm talking about. It's, and we're debating this. One of them says to me that the main guy who cuts my hair, know the guy who sweeps up if you go to a, if you go to one of these Kurdish barbers or what happens is the guy who was sweeping the floor next week's cutting. Like, you've not even learned that. You don't even get near me. You know what I mean? You can get near James Sedwell or Matthew Strang, but do not get near me. You know? <laughs> so it ends up two of them I'm debating with now. And uh, one of them says, he says, you were right you were the last time. No, because I was, I was talking about forgiveness. And he was bitter and he says, you were right. I was angry and I didn't have forgiveness. I says, good, that's very good. Good, well done. So we end up in this whole debate yesterday. I'll maybe touch on it through this, but this whole thing. And it ended up, I'm, I'm in the chair. And what? I'm, I'm, I'm like, whoa, hold it. You know? And then, so we're in it. The, the whole debate I'm in with these guys is, is that, it's the whole debate about Jesus is sovereign. The whole debate I'm in with Jesus is John 5. You know? So what stage I'm at the now, and I'll, I'll talk about it maybe sporadically, I don't want to get into the blow for blow conversation because I want to get into this. Uh, but what stage I'm at now is if they bring the gospel of John to him, highlight the bits that Jesus has got because they thought, Jesus didn't say that. I says, Jesus said that. He says, Jesus didn't say that. So I says, Jesus said that. And then I say to him, I says, are you trying to be good enough? I'm trying my best. I says, but you're not good enough. I says, you've already failed. You've failed the day. You're going to have to try them all again. I says, you failed the day to be good enough to get to heaven. I says, you've already swore to me. You've swore the day. I says, and you've told a lie. And the guy, I didn't know if he told a lie, but I knew he would have, right? So, so, so he says, I says, and you've told a lie the day. 
I didn't know he told the lie, but I knew he would have told the lie, right? So, 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 so I was hedging my bets there, and I said, and you've told the lie the day. But at this point, another guy's sitting, he's watching another guy cutting my hair because he's in training, right? Uh, so he thinks, he's hearing the gospel, right? So, so I says, and you've already lied today, so you're going to have to start the more as well because there's nothing that's going to be good enough for you to get to heaven today after you've lied because they're always trying to be good enough. I says, you'll never be good enough. And they think Jesus is the weaker form. They think Christianity is soft soap. Well, Jesus is a soft soap. Jesus is no soft soap. I says, Jesus is, Jesus is so no soft soap. He's so different for your faith. Because your faith says, if somebody wrongs you and they're not of your faith, you can then go and kill an infidel and you can go and deal with that. And that'll get you parted. I says, Jesus says, if, you're, if, 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 if someone hates you, you have to forgive them. I says, Jesus is a higher form. I says, your, 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 faith says, your faith says, if you commit adultery, it's wrong. I says, Jesus, I says, you think he's a lower form? I says, Jesus is a higher form. He says, if you think about it, you've done it. I says, the God that we believe in is actually a higher form of righteousness. So I says to the guy, I says, you've already told a line. He went, you knew, I knew he had. No, I mean, you had, he's human, isn't he? No, so he went, I says, exactly, exactly. You don't need to tell me what it adds either. No. So we're in this whole thing. So becoming better at debating because you're not just dealing with somebody who's homeless or somebody who's looking for a piece of jam or whatever. No, we're, we're going to have to encounter different types of people and hear Jesus masterclass and encounter intelligence and being able to debate this and lead people down a road where there's no hiding place. The great debaters end up leading people down a road. And counsellors and coaches uh, end up, are able to lead people down a road where they're left with, oh no. Oh, oh, oh no. No. That, the, see, the way Fraser spoke about there was brilliant and, and very correct and really biblical about what he spoke about giving. And that's great, but there's a, there's room for manoeuvre. There's room for, see that, no room for manoeuvre. That's leading you right down the garden path to, to, to leading you right to a place going, you're tight. <laughs> okay, so there, do you know what I'm saying? And Jesus is phenomenal at this. So, so Jesus is then confronted, but he never talks about the Sabbath or defends what he did. He simply uses it to explain whom he truly is. God in the flesh, the son of God and his deity. And last week we went through that. So let's see where we get to, well, we're, going to get, we're going to get through this today. Uh, and I'll lead for 31 John 5, 31 to 47. So let's see as this debate continues and where Jesus takes it next. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. Now Jesus is no saying, it's no true if I bear witness of myself. That's not what he's saying. Because that's what it reads like. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is no true. Jesus is, that is not in the context in what he's saying. What he's saying is, he said, if I bear witness of myself, it would still be true. But you wouldn't believe me. So there's no point. I'm going to have to give you more information. He's saying, I know what you're like. I know what you Jewish people are like. I am one. If I talk on behalf of myself, I know you will think I'm crazy and you won't believe me. As anyone can say they're God. 
So I will give you way more than that. I will leave you with some really, really tough decisions and questions. Sometimes I heard Andy Stanley saying this, and you know what we would, some of us would maybe be verging away from some of that teaching. But I'll tell you what Andy Stanley is. Andy Stanley is a highly, highly intelligent debater. And he says this, and he got hijacked with a lot of the reformed people, and they were slating him. But if you read between it, you get where his argument is. Not that I agree totally with his thought. I don't agree necessarily with his theology, but I, but I get the audience that he was trying to get. So what he says is, he says this, and then the, the, the reformers went mental with him and slated him. This is what he says. He says, we need to stop saying God says, and we need to stop saying the Bible says. Right, okay. So see if you just stop at that, you're like, what? What are you talking about? So some of the reformers then cracked up and started saying, oh no, what we'll start to do is we'll listen to what does Andy say? What does Andy say? And, and what Andy Stanley was saying as he was, uh, and as I say, but I'm no, I don't want to fling the baby out with the bathwater, but I'm not endorsing it either. I'm just using it as an example and sometimes how we need to watch how we debate. Yeah. And what Andy Stanley was saying is, is What's the, he, says, he says this, he says, I'm trying to lead people to Christ. So I'm trying to give them more about who Christ is through the Gospels, about who Peter, Peter says, who real people, because what happens is you get any one of these debates and people say, what about dinosaurs? And it guaranteed. What about dinosaurs then? And you're just saying, oh, so the Bible says this. So see when you just use something as loose as that, to have a debate now and at times that'll be okay but see because Jesus is dealing with intelligent scriptural knowledgeable Jews so it has to be a bit more articulate in what he says so because he knows he's guaranteed and Andy Stanley says if you just say that stuff you're going to end up getting caught in a debate with the ark you're going to get caught in a debate with Jonah you're, you know the, the fish known in Nineveh you're going to get caught with the flood you're going to get caught up with dinosaurs. You're going to end up talking about fossils and all sorts of stuff. And that's fine. Here, here's, what, here's why he was debating this, Andy Stanley, in a way. What he was saying is, if I can get people to believe that Jesus is Lord, then the New Old Testament starts to take care of itself. You ask yourself, pre-saved, what about dinosaurs? Yes, can I, some of these would be maybe debating that. What about dinosaurs? What about, what about fossils? What about the flood? Do you believe in that? What, you believe Adam and Eve were real people? What, you believe in this? It's a difficult argument to get into at the time, but you ask yourself, see, when you became a believer in Christ and who Christ was, that stuff started to take care of itself. It started to make sense. It started to unfold in a much clearer way. That was Andy Stanley's argument, which I get. I understand to a degree why they lambasted him. But I think they should have let the guy hear the whole story. And I don't think we should constantly just fling baby out with bathwater just because, you know, you know what I love about John MacArthur? He's never tried to attach himself to a specific domination that his identity ends up in the denomination. See, when your identity ends up in the denomination, it, it, it becomes behaviour modification rather than what we truly believe. And as a young church for us in this young journey where we're at, of Reformed theology and understanding the, the, the Word of God and solo scriptura. We never want to over-attach yourself to a denomination when that becomes, that becomes a, a theocracy rather than a theology and it becomes part of um, something that we don't even quite understand. Yeah. 
Better walking through it step by step, step by step, step by step, until it becomes a belief that you can debate about. Rather than, how does that happen? Just for... Oh, I was with people yesterday and I said, how would you debate that with somebody if they asked a question? You know, and, 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 and the gentleman gave me an answer and it was, it was a fair answer. But, but what we discovered for the answer was, is that's, a, that's an answer that's going to leave you with nothing. So becoming better at debating will help. Okay, that's where we're at here. So as anyone can say, they are God. So Jesus is saying, I'll give you way more than that. I will leave you with some really, really tough decisions and tough questions. Sometimes we need to leave people with really tough decisions and tough questions. And I'm talking to the two guys yesterday. I'm leaving them with tough questions that they're going to have to find. An, they're going to have to be tough questions left. You know? Sometimes I'll get answers. People will write to me or different stuff you know there were one this week and I, I have to I, sometimes I want to answer it and I don't there was someone in my thinking church and the guy wrote at the bottom is uh, that's if uh, does God exist though and I, I never answered back but what I want to answer back is are you asking a question I want to answer back is are you asking a question because you're not sure but you know they're not asking the question because they're not sure he's wanting to take you into a debate into his realm uh, and you really don't want to go there, so you're better no reply to that stuff. It ends up tit for tat, and uh, you, you want to stay in your terms. Okay, so as I say, understand more will be gifted than others. But here's the thing: is you no know, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It's going to take a lot more than God told me, or God spoke to me. Yeah. It's going to take a lot more than that to sometimes one's souls. Yeah, uh, and the Jews. At this point, they could handle that part. They could handle the miracle, but they could handle that Jesus was a prophet. Muslims handle that Jesus is a prophet. The Jews could handle that Jesus was a prophet. What they can't handle is he's the son of the son of man. And why does Jesus need people to know that? Because there's no other way in which man can be saved. That's saving faith. So verse thirty-two. There is another who bears witness of me and I know that witness which he witnesses of me is true. At this moment, the Jews are like, who could that be? Who's other witness? And Jesus is, of course, talking about God. He's talking about the Father, of course, but they don't get that. And he's saying this for a specific reason. And this is the whole part of the second part of John chapter five. You almost need to see it as a road that you're leading somebody down. And Jesus knows what's coming next and he's just going, I'm going to take them a, st- a further step towards this cul-de-sac where they'll not be able to get out. Yeah. Because he's leading them into the ultimatum and a place where they can't hide. And the greatest debaters have said, do that. Uh, verse 33. You have, set, you have sent, to, sent to John and he has borne witness to the truth. Yet I do not receive testimony from man, but I say these things that you may be saved. He was the burning and shining lamp and you were willing for a time to rejoice in that light. It's true. Saving faith, Jesus is explaining here. And trying to get these Jews to no become another minor prophet to them. No a friend, no a fellow Jewish rabbi, but the knowledge of he truly is. This is the parallels to the contemporary church the day. We're making Jesus everything other than sovereign. You know, we're making him pizza guy, acceptance guy. Come and get to know us. No, blah, 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 blah. You know the script. Eventually you're going to have to have the scary conversation or you're going to have a scary exit. You're going to have one of the two. 
There is no other name but Jesus and no other way to salvation except through true revelation of who Jesus is. Uh, Jesus is saying, I'm not saying it to win your friendship or your approval. Sometimes that's, that's the road we go down. Now, we're not trying to create enemies of people. But that's the kind of road the contemporary church... No, it's like, we'll go down that road for a long time. We'll get you feel loved. We'll get you feel accepted. You'll be in church. You know what? This is, this is the thing. And because we're autobiographical in church, I can happily say this without, without threat or, or doubt or prejudice. I'm never shocked when anybody leaves this church. You might be shocked. You may, I'm never shocked. Because I'm the pastor of this church and I know where people are at spiritually. Predominantly. I'm not shocked. I'm never shocked. In fact, I'm shocked that some people are shocked. I'm the, I'm the least shocked when people, when, I, when people stop coming. I'm the least shocked. I'm like, people are like, I can't believe that. I'm like, I can't believe that you can't believe that. Oh, because there's a lot more goes on behind enthusiasm. There's a lot more goes on behind, oh, I love it here. There's a lot more beyond, oh, I found my friends here. There's, that's nothing if you don't know the word. That's nothing. That won't keep empty. And this is how churches end up in all sorts of trouble and all sorts of turmoil and all sorts of stuff and all sorts of crazy stuff that happens. And we're not talking about persecution here. We're talking, we're talking about people are in church for a length of time and then they leave. There's no love in the church. Of course there's no love in the church. You were here for the wrong reason in the first place. And this is really, so it's so similar. This whole story that Jesus is teaching the Jews compared to what it's like today in modern church. Because he's not saying it to one friendship or your approval or anything. I'm saying this that you may believe. We know from John 1 that John the Baptist's purpose, it was to prepare the way of the Lord. He was not the light, but he came to testify of the light. Yes, Jesus says he's the lamp, which means he was partial light. He was light in an area. Jesus is also the lamp and the light. But John is only given partial light to the servant who's coming. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John knows that he's here to testify. And Jesus is the light of men and in him was life and that life was the light of men. You know, we read this, we've read this through in the prologue. Jesus is also the lamp, as we said. The Jews listened to John. They monitored him intently. They could can accept that part. They could, do you know what they could accept? Hope. They could accept hope. It's easy to accept hope, but see when you have to get hope and then it's to transfer to faith. It's a whole different thing. You know, there's a lot more people want to get well than get well. They like the idea of getting well. They just don't like the reality of it sometimes. Do you get what I'm saying? They like the idea of getting better, but they don't like the reality of accountability. They like the Id- People like the idea of being sober, but they don't like the idea of stopping drinking. Go for it. I love that. I love the idea of being sober on a Monday. See, I wanted to be a social drinker. So I wanted to just drink all weekend. At the end of the day, who am I harming? At the end of the day, who, who am I harming? Everybody. Apart from everybody and everybody. And I wanted the hope. People want freedom, but they don't want the truth. People want peace, but they don't want to deal with the stuff that they need to deal with. And here the Jews, they can accept this. The Jews listened to John. They monitored John, actually. They sent people. Let's go and hear what's going on with John. 
And John was shouting, repent, repent. They're like, oh, I'm not sure about this. We know there's, he's preparing the way of the Lord and we can get there is a Messiah coming and we don't know when it is, but now you're asking us to behave. Now you're asking us to repent. Even believing him when he said, there is one who's coming whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. The Jews are like, yeah, we, we believe there's one coming like that. He asked him why he baptizes a baptizing war, but there's one who will come and baptize in spirit. All this for a time they accepted. They accepted for a time. Many, many people accept hope. They come to church and go, oh, I found a bit of peace. I found a new pal. What? What? And, and, and see if that's how we promote church. And that's what gets people through. Listen, do you know what? See the great thing about the word of God? It does away with a lot of arguments because people come in to hear the word and then if they don't like it oh, pff, I'm not coming there you know it's Ananias and Sapphira I know I always use it as an example they come to church tell lies and die during the service imagine leaving the service eh? say this a lot how did you go into church to die good Ananias and Sapphira die but other than that it was an excellent sermon <laughs> how did Ananias no Acts, Acts chapter 4 how did Ananias and Sapphira apparently they were lying wasn't it that they weren't given they were lying and God just done away with them. Now some people think that they were saved. They get took away and they may well be. They may well have been saved. And God's like that. Ah, sometimes God will... <laughs> sometimes God will take people out when they're still saved before they cause any more bother. <laughs> Seriously. Well, that's another debate. We'll talk about that another time. But that's true. So Ananias and Sapphira, they died. Imagine you leave church. Do you know what it says? Do you know what it says in the next verse? In it? it says, And the church grew. In favour and stature with both man and God. It grew in favour. What folk died. Because what you get is, is you get a following process of why people come to church. They're not here for any other reason. But no one pizza. Well, we do. <laughs> Certainly do on this diet. Gagging for pizza, to be quite honest with you. Desperate for a bit, if, you, if the truth be known. But it, it's not the way to go about. When is the conversation going to arm? Yeah. They have a hope and people come in. And these Jews, have all, they've got a hope. And Jesus is saying, what are you doing with that hope? I am the hope of the world. And they're like, no, no, we quite like the hope. Oh. And it, there's nothing worse than people say, no, about hope. They call that, nobody calls us Hope United. They all call it hope, right? right? Everybody calls it hope and that's fine. I go to hope. I go. It always alarms, it didn't used to alarm me, but it seriously alarms me now when I think people are part of an organisation and no part of the Church of Jesus Christ. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. that there's something. I don't want, you don't want to be identified as a, as, a, as a person that goes to a type of church. You want to be identified as a follower of Christ. Yeah. And through the Gospels are people holding on to a hope, but that does not mean they had faith. If you think about the pool of Bethesda, they had a hope, yeah. but no faith. Yeah. They just had a hope and something. And sometimes you can have a hope. You've got a desire to, to get healed. You want to get well. You want, you want to deal with stuff, but it's just a hope. Some people prefer the hope. They seem to be able to handle that. Doesn't he mess too much with their past life? <laughs> you know what I mean? Hope doesn't he mess with your past. Hope doesn't he challenge you about how you're dealing with that? How you're dealing with that relationship? How you're dealing with the three pound? I am bringing it back in. I am, right? I am. How you dealing with the three pound thing? See, it doesn't he challenge that? 
Oh, this is what hope is. Oh, that's lovely. Oh, bless them. Oh, look at them. Bless them. I'll be praying for them. I'll be praying for them. Okay. Three quid. Oh, no. That's beyond hope. <laughs> Some people prefer home things. They seem to be able to handle it. Or someday they think, oh, I'll be all right with that. Someday I was going to stop drinking. Someday I was going to see change. Someday I was going to let go of my fear. Someday I was going to get honest. Someday I was going to do that thing. Someday I was going to pay that visit. Someday I was going to go and speak to somebody. Someday I was going to get accountable. Someday I was going to... Yeah, yeah, get what I'm saying? It's all false hope. Yeah. But it's no challenge you right into the quarry where you're living and what you're doing. And in order to really help people in what Jesus is doing is and help people and disciple. I said, we're not producing saints. We have to be producing saints and raising disciples. And this is the sum of the scary stuff to get to this next stage of your life. Yes, it's a journey, but let's not just be so, oh, it's a journey. Let's be, yeah, we're going to have a journey. And it is patient with people. Oh. When I coach people or counsel people over the years, I never want them to tell me the periphery of the problem. It never helps. I'm like, get the nitty gritty. Especially when you're dealing with mindsets and belief systems. How is it? Oh, you know, it's like the guy I met, eh? How are you getting on, mate? I all right, just all these unknown fears. Might sit down and talk about what they are. Oh, just all unknown. What do you mean unknown? They're unknown because you're not looking. Yeah. You want to know and get specific. I had to get specific about putting things on the table. I had to get specific. Oh, I'm just insecure. What about? Oh, just this and that. This and that? What's this and that? What is this and that? Just, yeah. just, just this and that. What's this and that? Let's get, oh, well, you know what? You know, money. What, what, get specific. What harmed it flared that issue up? What harmed it flared, what harmed at that moment? Who said what to you? Sometimes we have to get into the detail because otherwise that's just hope. Let's get into the detail. So what made you jealous? Oh, because I'm, just, you know, when I was five, I didn't get a bike. I wasn't born up in your five, you didn't get a bike. What happened at that specific moment that flared up that thought process? That, did, what happened that made you no capture that thought? Do you understand what I'm saying? Let's get to the nitty gritty detail. Let's get, see when people get around, the, get around the mountain about what the problem is, they go, let's get specific here. Because when you get specific, you get answers and you get solutions. You go, but what happened is, when somebody walked by me, they didn't smile. It was devastating. Do you know why we don't like talking about these things? Let me just say, do you know why we don't? It's dead embarrassing. Do you know why it's dead embarrassing? Because it's dead childish. Yeah. It's some of you, isn't it? And, and some of you are insecure. Don't look at me as if butter wouldn't melt in your mouth. Right? Don't you think some of your insecurities are just like you're four? Because yeah. it didn't love me. You know, that's what you need to say, because that's what it was. Right? You, you don't like to do that because you just, let's just hold on to your shallow hope. Different stuff, uh, and the day was now here, and they didn't accept it. And this is where Jesus is taking them, verse 36 and 37. But I have a greater witness than John for the works which the Father has given me to finish. The very works I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me, and the Father Himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard His voice any time nor seen His form. Honestly, this is speaking to Jews, but honestly, you cannot. This is so just, this, yeah, this could be the day, isn't it? It's just speaking to, this is church today. Uh, you, you come to church and you worship and you put your hand, this is, where this, this is how I identify with this. This is how we fast forward this to the day. 
You come to church and you worship them and you pray and you glitter and gold, no, that gold dust. All that, all that nonsense stuff. You get all that, but you don't know me. It's behavior, it's nothing, it's emotionalism. You say, nah, I'm not only a servant of God, and Jesus is saying, look, I'm much more than a miracle worker. He's saying the work I'm embarking on and the work I'm doing is proof that me and the Father are one. Because he's looking for saving faith, not just behaviour or not just hope. As we said last week from previous verses, I do what I've already seen. And in the manner in which it was done, I do. He's saying, my Father and I are one. And he testified of me. Matthew 3.17 this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God testifies of, testified of the son. He goes on and says, you have never seen him nor heard him. And the next verse then explains why. So he's constantly taking people down this road, constantly leaving them with no other turn, constantly leaving them with nowhere to go. And he goes on and then says it is, listen, just to let me see here, it's not that God in the Old Testament didn't speak. God in the Old Testament did speak from time to time. He spoke to Elijah. Doesn't he speak near as much? Is what people think. I mean, God speaks constantly. And honestly, it's, there's long periods of time where God doesn't say anything. I've no heard for God for ages. Somebody asked me the other week there, and I've had this conversation before, I'll be quick here. They says, how, how do you cope? How do you deal with when you feel the presence of God has left you? And you've maybe heard me talking about this before. And I says to the person, I says, I was asked that question in a Q&A once. And they were trying to look super spiritual for the answer. The bottom line is, when you lose the presence of God, it's because you're overemphasizing the presence of people. Simply. See, if you don't sense God, it's because people have become more important to you. That's it. Honestly, it's no, it's no, it's no any deeper than that. Oh, I don't really know where God's at today. Well, I'm the one to know where God's at. Let's have a debate. I don't want to debate with somebody or have a chat with somebody. Or sit down and have a, a conversation with somebody and they say, I don't know where God, I just don't know where I'm at with God. I want to know where you're at with people. Because yeah. when God's no close, it's because people are, or you became more obsessed with people than you have God. It's that simple. Yeah. And it's no that God didn't speak in the Old Testament. He spoke to Moses. He, he spoke and seen Moses. You know, Moses says, I want to see your glory. And God says, you'll never be able to, see. you cannot cope with my glory. He says, but go up the mountain and look through the, the hole, the, 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 the cleft in the rock. And Moses looks through the cleft in the rock and the presence, the presence of God goes by. Yeah, the presence of God goes by and Moses is floored. See, this is, this is the thing, I'll, I'll mention this in a second. And Moses is floored by the presence of God. He's floored that much by the presence of God that he has to wear a veil for weeks. Because God illuminated that much in him. See if Moses looked at people, people would have died. But yeah, if you go to a charismatic outreach thing, the presence, oh, the presence, I'm like, really? Really? That, that's, what you're, that's what you're thinking? That's what you're thinking? If you'd felt the presence of God, the, the, like that, you wouldn't be able to look at it, you wouldn't be able to breathe. Never, never mind running about running a marathon in the building. Waving a flag and writing, drawing prophetic art. You wouldn't be able to breathe. You'd be, you would need to wear a veil for weeks. You certainly wouldn't have an easel on the stage drawing a lion. Do you get what I'm saying? If it was really the presence of God. Oh, really? Can you imagine the state you'd be in? 
No, you can't. Look at the state Moses was in. Moses, the pre- only the presence, it wasn't even God, just the presence of God passed him by. And he had to wear a veil over his head because if he took the veil off and people seen the, 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 the glory of God shining in his life, he would have, folk would have died. Okay. Noisy, done it. Oh, anyway, I better, I better move on here. Verse 38. But you do not have his word abiding in you because whom he sent him, you do not believe. The Jews had rules, they had rituals, they had religion. They could cite things, they could quote things, but the word was no in their hearts. It was not etched in their hearts. They come to church and if the word doesn't start getting etched in your heart, there will be no change in your life. Predominantly, no change in your life. Grand old Duke of York, Christian. Up and down and round about. We're not talking about hell for people who know that. We're just talking about general, general spiritual well-being. If the word of God's not there, anything... Do you know, if the word of God is not etched in your heart, anything will take you out. Anything. It will not take much. It will not take much, honestly. Seriously. Pack it a dolly mixtures could make you leave the church, you know what I mean? I don't even know why I said that. I don't even know why. What's that? It's the bit, that's, I don't even know where that comes from. <laughs> the Jews had rules, rituals. But the word wasn't the etched in your heart. Deuteronomy eleven eighteen. this is what wasn't in their hearts. Therefore, you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign on your hand that they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. They did not have that. They could read that. They could say it. They could recite it. But they did not live it. If you truly do not trust, it's no. But it's this word. The, the word believe is way. It's way deeper than believe. The word here is believe, but it's way more than believe. It's trust. So if, the reason you know that is, is if I ask you rhetorically, did years before you get say, say, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. That's not the same as trust. That's not the same as trust. There's belief. I, I believe in Jesus. So does the devil. <laughs> Doesn't mean anything. The devil believes in Jesus. He's definitely no trusting in him. The word here, believe, it's deeper than that. It's not just believe, but it's trust in who he truly is. Because if we don't, then we don't have the word of life in us. Hebrews 10, 16. This is the covenant which will I make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws, the word of God, in their hearts and in their minds. I will write it on them. This is why we need to preach the word of God. The word of God. I heard somebody saying this. Can I? True. Some people will miss heaven by 12 inches. The distance between hearing God here and hearing God here. God in our hearts, etched in our hearts. And if we don't preach this, then God is a concept. He's somewhere in the periphery, he's a hope. But he's not really in our hearts. Over the years, I've pastored many believers. Not nearly as many true followers or disciples. So I've pastored, listen, see if I'd I'm talking people who say they believe in God, okay, and believe in Jesus, okay. If everybody had pastors who say they believe in Jesus and believe in God was still in this church, we would be without doubt be the biggest church in Europe. <laughs> Europe! 
No, Motherwell, Europe. Yeah, seriously. If everybody says, I'm a believer in Europe, the battle now is, is we realise that's not the case. We need to get the word in their hearts. Yeah. Yeah. That'll keep you. Nothing else will sustain you except the word that's in your hearts. Honestly, I, I, I used to do this. No, it seemed I couldn't sleep at night, you know. Now people count sheep. I count people that have left. <laughs> but I, I fall asleep before it because there are hundreds. <laughs> and some of them have left for other reasons. Some for, for loads of reasons. Majority have left because they're not saved and don't love God. That's the truth. Yeah. And others have left because of me. And I would I don't understand that. I wouldn't follow me. <laughs> Over the years, I've pastored many believers, but no nearly as many true followers, and even less people who want to be disciples. They believed so loosely that they knew not a single word. Speak to some of the team today as we help pastor people better. And use guys in amongst here who there's a pastoral gift insight in your life. You have to lead people to a place where you're having honest conversations. We're no one enthusiasm. Lord, 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 they'll follow you, but first let me go and bid farewell to my family. That's him waiting in his inheritance. It's a money issue. Lord, Lord, let me go and follow you, but first let me go and no, no, bury my father. That's him waiting in his inheritance. It's a money issue. Right? All this is enthusiasm. And Jesus says, no one putting a hand to the plough and looking back is fit for the kingdom. Let's have a conversation. No, like, a, oh, love it, it's good. Oh, I'm feeling so good. I'm feeling so special. Loving it. Best thing I've ever done. Wonderful. What do you know about the word? Yeah. Let's talk about the word. Let's talk about the word. That's the thing that, that's the thing that'll know where somebody's at. Yeah. And then, do you know what you do? You don't, you don't, you don't judge people where they're at. You pastor people because of where they're at. Yeah. You never position people because of where they're at. You pastor people because of where they're at. And then you say, look, this is what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to get to the next stage of you understanding God's word and etching it in your heart. They believe so loosely that they knew not his word. Christians are no in church. How many Christians do we know, so-called Christians, that's no in church today? It's the last thing the devil will do. If he can't get you to say, I'm not a believer in Christ and denounce Christ, he'll get you to stop coming to church and get you to worship. But I don't need to be in church to worship. I don't need to go to church. No, that's what they've done with Nehemiah. That's what they've done with Nehemiah when they couldn't get me to stop building the walls. They thought, we'll get you to go into that building, shut the doors and worship on your own. Yeah. Big problem. They know not his word. It's no written in their hearts. Their conversation, his salvation was probably at best emotional. At worst, an acceptance of a group or a person. This is what happens. Know the word changing their life. That's why a hands up in service just won't cut the mustard. Yeah. Understand? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, sixteen. No, I was reading stuff this week. I'm not even going to go there. I'll tell you about it later when we're off the platform. Right? I was reading stuff this week, and it was they were counting altar responses. What's that? They could have been walking by, gone to the baths. For all we know. You know, I know I'm exaggerating, right? Somebody's like, what do you mean? Counting all the responses, that means nothing. That's just an emotional response. That doesn't mean anything. Counting all the responses. No counting salvations. All the responses. People responding. People, I can get all used to do that. Listen, we'll just do it. Just, just, I, I, am I mocking it? Yes, I'm, 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 I'm teaching error. I'm teaching error as well as truth. Right, here we're going to go and we'll just count it. We'll Facebook it later, right? Or we'll know, we'll Instagram it. 
Hands up here. Well, I'd love to video for this side. Hands up here. If you would like to walk deeper into your purpose. One, two, three. Everybody, what an overcall. What an overcall. Where get that posted? That means nothing. Well, sorry, I just, I know I get emotional. I get excited. As we are a reformed guy this week and I'm like, well, I, I love the word and we love this, but let's get the passion. Yeah. What happened to the passion and the zeal? Let's be excited. Everybody responding, oh, and then they counted it all the, through all the things. There were 3,152. I know I remembered. That's how sick I am. 3,152 people responded to a call in their life. Where's that? That's nothing. That's like you can't continue to respond to spaghetti. <laughs> Means nothing. That's no raising disciples. A true revelation of our sinfulness and then a revelation of him who can take it away. That's the point. The word etched in our hearts can't come from a fake salvation. You can't have a fake salvation and of the word etched in your heart. It doesn't come that way. Faith comes by hearing, hearing from the word of God. It has to be etched in our hearts. That's what will set you free. That's what will take you on the journey of sanctification. That's what will take you on a journey of freedom. That's what will take you through justification, sanctification, to glorification. If the word's no etched in your heart, it's no salvation at all. Yeah. Nothing. Let's get back. Let's just, have you ever read Hebrews? Whoa, whoa. I can't wait to two years. That's where I've got to go after the Gospel of John. You, I hope you're still alive when we go there. I hope I'm still. <laughs> Honestly, if you're not getting three pounds by the time we get to Hebrews, they're going to be trouble. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Let's go. Listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to this. Hebrews 10, 11 to 23. I'm just going to read this. This is awesome. So because Jesus is Jesus is saying the words no in your hearts, he's, he's, he's ref, referencing Deuteronomy, but he's also referencing Hebrews. Would you hear this? And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifice, which cannot take away sins. But this man, after he'd offered talking Jesus, this man, Jesus, the Son of Man, the Messiah, after he had offered one sacrifice for one since forever, sat down at the right hand of God from that time waiting till his enemies had made his footstool. For by one offering he made perfected forever those who are being sanctified by the Holy Spirit also witnessed to us for after he had said this before. Verse 16, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts. You cannot get the law into your heart. You cannot get the law or the word of God into your heart with who repents and a deep understanding of your sinfulness. If you don't know your sinfulness, the word never becomes in your heart. So I need to breathe. It never gets in your heart. And we're wondering why people are not being saved and people are leaving church and backsliding and all that stuff and all this that's happened. It's because there's no true salvation. They don't truly have the word in their heart. And it's so easily stolen. I will put my law in their hearts. When did they put the law in their hearts? When we truly know who Christ is. When we surrender our life to him and we know our own sinfulness and know that no other name than the man can be saved. This is what I was telling. This is what I was like in the barbers yesterday. I'm trying to explain it. 
And he adds their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. The Jews are going into the book. They're going back into this. They're going back into the book. And they're trying to find a way to live better. They're going, oh, there must be more. There must be a better way to live. There must be another way. There must, I must learn more about God's word. I must learn more. There's no other way. You'll never be good enough. The sins are lawless deeds. Their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. Now when there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering of sin. Therefore, so therefore it's no longer ritual. We no longer, it's no longer what the Jews are looking for, this ritualistic way, a, a, a sacrifice or repentance. Therefore, brethren, have boldness to enter. This is, this is just amazing. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holies by the blood of Jesus. The Jews thought that they had to get to a certain level. Only the high priest could get to the holy of holies. But by the bloody Christ and saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, we can enter the throne room of grace with boldness because the veil has been torn. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holies by the blood of Christ, by a new living way, which he consecrated for us through the, ve through the veil, that is his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God. See, see the veil. I know I want to get in there about the Holy of Holies, you know, but the, oh, I don't want to go there. It's just no time, right? We'll talk about it another time, but it's awesome. Okay. His flesh and having high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. See, when we get saved by grace through faith in Christ alone, you don't, yeah, you'll, you'll know your sinfulness. Yeah, you'll know when you're no living right. Yes, you'll know that. But it's, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. It's no longer condemnation. It's no longer condemnation. It's conviction. Yeah. It's conviction. No condemnation. Having your heart sprinkled for an evil, from an evil conscience. So now your heart is full of God and full of the word. So you don't end up having this guilty because you're not pursuing your own. This is, this is the true work of sanctification. An evil conscience in their bodies washed with poor, pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. How good is Hebrews? How good is that? Back to John 39 as we close. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. But you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. These Jews are continually grasping for an answer to their guilt, their unrighteousness. They are continually looking for the correct formula to peace and eternal life. They've not quite found it yet. The laws are not quite cutting it. It's like the rich young ruler. It's not quite cutting it. It doesn't matter what it does. You'll never have the perfect ten. You'll uh, never be able to adhere to the Ten Commandments. He can never, he can never fully adhere to them. And even though he tried. It's not that they don't study deeply. They do study deeply. But studying scripture doesn't mean anything if it's all out of context. It means nothing. It means nothing. I've been reading a book about with Charles Hatton Spurgeon, brilliant. He's talking about attire. It's just one wee section. And he's talking about what you wear. And he says, what difference does it make if you wear a big robe? 
and you wear a big hat and you wear the religious outfit and you wear the collar and you wear all this stuff, if underneath it is no heart change. They're just hollow words. They don't mean anything. It's no that they don't study, they do. D. Carson writes this, which, did I put the heading up? Oh, they're the heading, yeah. That's what took all the time. The arrogance. This is the subheading. Five minutes to go, this is the subheading. <laughs> the arrogance of religious independence. There's an arrogance. You ever notice people that go alone with God? There's a real arrogance about the religious independence. This is what D.A. Carson writes in his commentary at the Gospel of John. <laughs> no independence is more arrogant than religious independence. These Jews are so arrogant in their religious independence. He goes on and says, the world's resistance to God is simply based on people's imaginary security. Oh, honestly, honestly, I don't, I'm, I'm not into tattoos, but that's the one I'm getting. <laughs> the world's resistance to God is simply based on people's imaginary insecurity. How good's that? He goes on and then says, that arrogance makes the scriptures deaf to Jesus' words. There are few things more damaging. How good's that? The arrogance of religious independence. We must see it as it is, know as we want to. You ever read the scripture just as you want to, you suit yourself? Ah, oh, it doesn't really mean that. I was at a concert years ago. And there were a lassie leaving the concert. I can't remember who was singing. It was some Christian rock diva. Right? And uh, we, were, we were leaving and the lassie had a scripture on her back for, for the key shop. And she says, I don't really know if that scripture suits me. I says, why don't you just do what everybody else does there? Just, just apply any scripture to suit you and just pretend that God said it to you. She's, and honestly, she looked at me as if I invented fire, as if it was a good idea. She's like, right. No, I'm like, no, no, right. No, 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 no. We must see it as it is, know as we want to see it. Because they'll no look at Jesus. They'll no find, they don't see Jesus in the scripture. And Jesus is etched through the Old Testament everywhere. Or because they won't acknowledge him or recognize him from the scriptures, there is no hope of their salvation and freedom and peace. How many people use the Bible as a storybook or simply take some things out of context? I told you once they get arrested. I know. I know. I'm, I'm a criminal. Right? I get arrested. I, 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 get, I didn't know that I hadn't paid a fine. I did not know. Listen, don't judge me. Right? I did not know I hadn't paid a fine. I really did not know I hadn't paid it. Right? And I just didn't know. And I never, I never seen any warning. Nothing came through about the warning about why I never paid it. And it was a... a Speeding thing, I must have been caught in one of the flashing lights, I didn't know. But I never I never seen any paperwork, I honestly never seen it. So I'm in the house one Wednesday afternoon and a guy, two police came, come to the door. And it doesn't matter, if, I don't know about you, it doesn't matter where you've done anything or no. As soon as you see two police come to your door, you're like, oh no. <laughs> and you're like, have I murdered somebody in my sleep here? <laughs> Aye, loads, loads of people have murdered in my sleep. Uh, to be honest with you, and uh, they come and say, listen, we've got a warrant. I'm like, what? He says, I've got a warrant for an unpaid thing, you never... I'm like, I'll just pay you the new then. No, no, it's too late. It's went to the Procurator Fiscal, you can't. We're going to have to take you in. I says, I'll just come tomorrow. I says, I just think it's ignorant. I says, I'll just come to tomorrow. He says, you can't come tomorrow. He says, how? He says, 
What if you commit a murder or do something the night? We have to take you off the streets. I'm like, I'll just stay in. They're like, you can't stay in. I said, you'll need, and honestly, this is how ignorant I was. I was like, you'll need to give me 10 minutes. I'm not ready yet. And I went up the stair and I had a shower and I was just getting ready. And they're like, this is true. And the two polis are sitting down the stair. The next thing they come up the stair, I don't know what they thought I was doing. I'm like, are you there? And I looked to it and the show, I, I was in my own suite and I looked to it and I looked down the stair and I was like, I'll be waiting a minute, all right. I'm thinking that was okay. And they're like, on your way, and I took my Bible, right? This is a long story. I took my Bible. So he's like, do you mind if I take my Bible? I'm like, no, he says, because you'll be in here tomorrow morning. I was like, what? In motherwell cells. And they took me down, and I'm up in, and I'm standing, and I was like, can I take my Bible in? And he's looking at it, see if I'll hang myself with it. Eh, they've got to watch all that stuff, but I don't know what I was going to do with the pages. And the, po- the police officer picked up last week, hear this, talk about the arrogance of religious independence. He picked up last the police officer, and he went like that. Read it. I says, have you? I says, just there. He says, no, I've read it loads of times. I says, you know what? That's amazing. I says, because I know so much about your job because of the bill. That's what I says to him. You know what I mean? It's if you're going to know that, be that. Oh, it's if I know your job because I watched DC... Lions someday. This sick. Grow up. And he was in charge. We're in trouble. How many people use the Bible as a storybook or simply take some things to sit them? How many people are looking for answers to life by hugging trees? Seances. Crystal balls. Smoke bombs. The list the list goes on. Isn't it? Uh, Yet within the word is life. Within this very word is life and Jesus etching and oozing out the very pores of every page. The suffering servant, the Messiah, the nail-pierced hands, the Lamb of God. You name it, it's there. And they knew it. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus said on the cross and all the Jews knew that he was, re- he was relating to the, the Psalms. And then as you read through the psalm, it says, they tortured me, they put me here, and they pierced my hands. Yet they wouldn't see Jesus in the scriptures because of their arrogance or their religious independence. And yet we've got that in the church of Jesus Christ today. We'll come and we'll worship and we'll, we'll pretend we've had some sort of religious experience and some sort of spiritual experience. You confess that Jesus is Lord with your lips, but he's, no far, he's far from you. Because we don't know him in the scripture. And we've got behaviours and we've got this stuff and we're not teaching the word of God. And then we're wondering why people are non-overcomers. And we're wondering why they can't cope with life. And they wonder why they're struggling. We wonder why. And do you know what? You'll struggle either way. No, struggle is no, no, struggle is no proof that you're not walking with God. It's also no proof that you are. Just depends on what type of struggle it is. Some so-called Christians miss it because they know not the word. Some others because they know only a false religion and others because they have never heard the gospel at all. Hence why we have to go to the four corners of the earth to places like Myanmar to preach the gospel. I need to really close here. Verse 41 to 47, I'll just read through it. I do not receive honour from men, but I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name and, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive 
Isn't that amazing, isn't it? People can talk about anything you like. Well, I'll go and listen to him. Oh, I'm going to see so-and-so. He's a great guru. Wonderful. Oh, there's a man called Jesus Christ who's above everything and all that. He's the creator. Somebody asked John MacArthur recently, a wee while ago, in one of his interviews, he's like, who's your mentors today? He says, I could tell you, but they're all dead. They're all dead. He says, I've got a great mentor. It doesn't mean to say that we don't have accountability. He says, I've got a great mentor. He says he's etched in every page in the word. His name's Jesus Christ. How can you believe who you receive honour from one another and do not seek the honour that comes from the only God. Do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father. Do you not think? Do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you. Moses. See, this is awesome. Moses is going to accuse you. Because this is who they would trust. They would trust in what Moses says. Moses in whom you trust. For if you believe Moses, you would believe me. For he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you even believe my words? It doesn't tell you specifically what scripture Jesus is talking about. But if you read Moses, you, know, you, you read the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is just the fulfillment of what Moses was saying. And Jesus, Moses had the Ten Commandments. Jesus says, I, came, I did not come to do away with the law, but to fulfill it. If Jesus was only a prophet, and even if he wasn't a prophet... And he says, thus says I'm Jesus of Nazareth. I'm my own man. The Jews would be okay with that. But now he is the son of man, the son of God. And it's a no-go for these people. Jesus is now challenging what they actually study in the first place. He's challenging how they study. He's challenging their very faith and how, how does that measure up to the scripture? If you know Moses and truly know what he said, you will have seen he and you would have seen me in what he says. Here's a scripture that, that, that could be uh, Deuteronomy 18, 15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren. Him you shall hear. You could read on and on different scriptures. More than likely, however, this is more about the system and the process of how they study and how they see Jesus and how they conduct their religion and their order and their services. He didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. And he certainly did. And as always, as we close, Fraser, come up. Again, as always, and you could, we could close every single week in the Gospel of John, be John 20, 31. <coughs> it just confirms the whole purpose. These are written that you may believe in Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God, and believe in him. You may have life in his name. How good is the Gospel of John? Wow. Mind blowing, really, isn't it? Yeah. And you think, see, I studied that, there's not a lot there. You're, you need to labour in the word. When you labour in the word, you start to see the sovereignty and the true deity of Christ and what his purpose was and the parallels to where we're at today. And thank God. Praise you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Hope United. You can stay connected with us through our Facebook, Twitter and Instagram pages.